0: This week's episode of Mind Gap Podcast is brought to you by J&D's glazed hot dogs. Food can be boring, like super boring. Now more than ever, we need the fusion of foods that is going to kick your taste buds and their taste bud balls, and that time is now. What's more American than a hot dog and a glazed donut? Introducing the J&D's glazed hot dogs. It's a true marriage of the simple and natural things, a hot dog and a simple sugary glaze. It's sweet and savory and everything you need to add calories to your daily diet. It will confuse you. It will astound you. It will 100% not fill you up. Head over to HotGlazedDogs.com now and get your first 12-pack order of glazed hot dogs today. Enter the promo code MindGap at checkout to get signed up for the Glazed Cheddar Bratwurst Beta Test. J&D's Glazed Hot Dogs. Join the sweet and savory party that will inevitably lead you to diabetes. Welcome back, my friends. On this week's podcast, Justin and I discuss the recent controversy surrounding the Upright Citizens Brigade comedy theater and how they laid off 160 employees. We then talk about the impact of doing the morally right thing as a business versus the legally right thing. We then chat about how and when improv comedy performers should be paid for the craft. This was a fun and lively episode that we're excited to share with you, so put on your thinking cap, load up your opinions, and get ready to forge ahead into Episode 240 of Mind Gap Podcast. Mind Gap Podcast. It yeah, was we're gonna
1: we're gonna rename this from Mind Get Podcast to the Shit Show. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Mind Gap Podcast Shit Show
1: edition, where
0: we do it through the internets. But hey, we're doing better now. I like it. We're doing good. What's up, Twitch? Thanks for um, joining us. So glad Twitch, you're here. Twitch, Twitch. Also, special shout out to yes. Etoy07 and Mr. E for coming to hang out while I did a stream of Tabletop Simulator on Saturday. So much fun. Thanks for hanging with us. And uh, thank you, Clown Pup. I am a robot. I like Um, that
1: we're going to get this. uh, Also, Clown Pup Pup
0: stopped by on Saturday, too. So thank you for stopping by to say hello. Also, while we were playing uh, Concept and Mysterium. So good times for Head by All. And we'll hopefully be doing that again soon. So you guys come hang out with us, play some games with us while we do all that sort of shit. So. Also, uh, in case you guys don't know, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way now. Uh, We have a new YouTube video. Justin plays video games where he's playing Among Us, a wonderful game. Uh, And for the record, I think for just us alone, at least two people have bought the game because of us. One of them is the person you know at work. And the other one is, I think, possibly, I mean, Etoy, I don't want to say we're the reason why you bought it. Maybe you were playing it beforehand, but, you know. You know, if it is, then cool. Uh, people are checking it out. But we had a lot of fun. Justin uh, essentially is playing the game, and Justin does surprisingly well at the game for being the first time. It's, it's great. This is,
1: I, again, I think we found my game. I'm not going to lie to you. If you're
0: not familiar with what a game is, essentially, it's a game of teamwork and betrayal where you're playing with a team of people on a spaceship, and the objective is to essentially repair things and go home, but one of you is an imposter. And the imposter's goal is to essentially murder everybody. So the imposter can sabotage different things and then basically kill people, hide in vents. And then if you are a crewmate, uh, your objective is to figure out who the imposter is and kick him off the spaceship before they murder everybody. And it is pure simplicity and mayhem. It's awesome. It's so good. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. So also... so Etoy says it's free on the iOS store, which is amazing. On Steam it's 5 bucks. So you should absolutely go buy this game. It is dirt cheap and it's awesome. Can't recommend it enough.
1: Or just did the free version on the iOS store.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine playing the game on iOS. Maybe it's fun. Can you imagine doing the card swiper on iOS? <laughs> I would lose my goddamn mind. I would lose my goddamn mind. Oh, it's so good. So, um, check out the game. Uh check out the new episode. It's on our YouTube channel. Just look for Mind Gap or Justin Plays Video Games Among Us and you'll find the game uh, find the video and you can enjoy it from there. So that being said, Dirt Cheap was mm-hmm. Doug's nickname in college. I mean, it's better than, you know, Moist Supreme, you know? It, anything's better than Moist Supreme. You know, that's that's uh yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, so I do. I know
1: what you're saying. <laughs> super gross. He toy
0: says, "Yeah, you guys are the reason why I downloaded it. It's freaking awesome. Make sure you play at other levels. They've got an Arctic Planet version that is freaking awesome." So, we've actually already kind of talked about how we want to do a part 2 of this because after it was done, we explored it a little bit more and we just saw the capabilities and uh it's 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 really pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in different levels. There's a whole bunch of stuff that uh that We're, we're going to revisit this game for sure, without a, without a doubt.
0: I mean, we just barely scratched the surface of the fact that yeah. you can lock doors on people, which Rob <laughs> did do at one point to Vellucci. Vellucci oh, was trying to get out of a room, and Rob had locked the doors on him and then just murdered him slowly. I, it was amazing. I
1: want so bad to lock the doors and just chase someone around the room. <laughs> <laughs> just like you did in college. I'm looking at you, Vellucci. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all it is. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Good well, stuff in the gaming um, world Go ahead
0: I say good stuff in the gaming world, had a lot of fun And uh, keep your eyes out, we'll be posting soon About when we're going to do another uh, hangout uh, Probably with some uh, tabletop simulator You guys can play along with us, it's fun
1: Yeah, it's a good time um, yeah. I was scrolling through um, The uh, the interwebs today And I came across uh, an article And I think I figured out how to do the audio here, Doug Oh good um, So Get ready for a time. demon echo <laughs> <laughs> no, no demon echo. Uh, Whoa, what stuff. are we looking at here? What was that? Oh, my gosh. So what? the five worst celebrity responses to coronavirus. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And it's, and it's amazing. Wait, so Tekashi Six 69
0: is afraid of dying from coronavirus in prison? What a great headline. What website is this?
1: Popdust.com? com. Uh, popdust.com. Um, great. So <laughs> if, you'll understand why uh, I got to this. Don't worry about it. So, uh <laughs> This one here yep. Doug and I were talking about this. I thought I was going to uh grab Doug uh catch nope. Doug off uh <laughs> I thought I was going to uh knock him off his game with this one but he'd already seen this but I did want to uh play this one so Gal Gadot, um basically got a bunch of celebrities to sing Imagine uh and it's it's very cringeworthy uh this is them singing Imagine in We really don't know, have to do this I mean of coronavirus Is this something we'll get flagged for
0: no, not at all Oh good, it's not working, darn Hold on <laughs> We don't have to figure this out, Justin It's totally fine It's totally fine, doesn't work, it's all good We don't need to hear it, we've all seen it Damn it Damn it, Justin How'd you fix it? Break it again Ugh
1: <laughs> Sarah Silverman No idea who that guy is How do you not know who that is Oh John Jimmy, oh, sorry, Jimmy Fallon.
0: No That person just gave up Okay we get the point You Go can off. cut it off now Go off no, we're doing the whole. thing. No, come on, we get it. A bunch of random celebrities are singing this song. I know it along. I don't even know who most of these people are. <laughs> Who's the that? Original Wonder Woman, right there. Okay, I know that's Amy. Uh, that no, no. Okay, can we, can we seriously? Can we stop this Absolutely.
1: now? Absolutely. Oh wait, it's not done. Oh, not
0: you, buddy. The Mandalorian? Oh, okay. Alright, we're good. Way to go, Will. Will Farrell. Okay. Alright, let's uh we get the point. Let's cut her off.
1: <laughs> I just want I want you to suffer as much as possible. No,
0: I'm just thinking this isn't good for the podcast. Something that they can you don't barely think hear. This is
1: good for the podcast. They can barely
0: hear this audio. It's not
1: that great. <laughs> No, you should have just told me to stop then. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just thought that was so unbelievably, beautifully Um Yeah. What you know you what? It done?
0: came from a good place. But part of it is just like, I don't know, the production quality was bad, too. You know, but yeah, people are just I mean, acapelling
1: I, but- it. I, I get the concept I get trying to, you know, make, you know, uh, everyone bring everyone together, this and that. And it's it's cool. But I think what one of the things that this article references here is it says uh, the thing isn't great. But more importantly, why do a group of multimillionaires need to imagine a better world when they're combined? Uh, if they combine their vast resources, they could actually make a pretty substantial difference. <laughs> <laughs> First
0: of all, it's I all the people true. on Twitch. Everyone's just really celebrating how awkward I am with this. This is great like oh, Mystery goes, I like is- how uncomfortable Doug is right now. Uh, so- he's squirming. <laughs> Jervis goes, use the safe word next time. Maka68 goes, but watching Doug is
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the other this is this is uh, another real quick, it's only 18 seconds, All real right. quick video. Hopefully the audio is a little bit better. But this is Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, I don't know what she was thinking when she did this, but take a listen real quick. Okay.
0: You're going to have to translate cuz I can I can barely hear that she's making noise.
1: You can't hear it? Okay, no. hold on. Let me try one more thing here.
0: <laughs> Let me try this. Audio up. Like That was the longest 18 seconds. I don't know if you how, guys could hear that. How did that
1: make you feel?
0: It was, I mean, how old is Vanessa Hutchins?
1: She's old uh, enough to talk better than that. You know what I mean? Old enough to, old enough to know better than to say. Right. It, even if everyone gets it, yeah, people are going to die. I want to know what point she was trying to make. I think she was Honestly. saying is,
0: it sounded like what she was trying to say was everybody dies. So what's the big deal? So you, so you think she was just flat out saying, that, well, everyone's going to die, too bad. That's kind of what I took. She's like, what? Even if everyone gets it and they die, it's like, so what? Like, we're all just this meat sacks on this star floating in space, man. What's it all about? That was a long 18 seconds to get that whatever what that was across to anybody. Very Followed by like guess. a lot of likes and ums. I know I say like a lot. When I listen back to these episodes, I'm very well aware of how often I say like, and it drives me nuts, but I'm hoping it's not in the way in which she
1: said that. Uh, The last one I wanted to kind of bring up here uh, was... Also, real quick, her upspeak, I don't like it. I deal with enough people in my
0: life that have upspeak, which is like, so, you know, the coronavirus, it's like out there, and if like, even if we all get it, then so what? It's like, why are you asking questions?
1: Yeah, well, that. but again, I just want to go back to what is your messaging? What are you trying to what are you trying to put out there? What are you trying to say? I don't understand anything about what the purpose of that post.
0: She's the reason why people hate celebrities. It's for shit like that.
1: And I mean, that's just like, look, like whatever, like I. You do you, but, I mean, you know, have a little bit of empathy. I, I don't know. It's, it, that's just, it, it seemed like a very, very weird post. Yeah. And then this last one here, uh, uh, again, this is the top five worst celebrity responses to coronavirus. Uh, said Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, Ian Roberts, and Matt Walsh. In the comedy world, uh, there are a few improv theaters, better known than Upright Citizens Brigade, founded by those four. UCB has launched the careers of many comedians and writers. Um, They've employ a number of staff members, uh, cafe employees, technicians, etc. At least they did before the coronavirus hit, at, uh, after which they immediately fired nearly everyone. Um, of course, it's understandable that they need to make cuts. And this article calls out when one of the owners has $30 million to her name, it's, is it right, or they say it's not right to leave already low-paid employees floundering in a crisis, which I thought was a, uh, an interesting, an interesting um, idea.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating because I also uh, sent you an article today about there was a a journalist who was kind of covering this specific thing, um, uh, and he had an interview. Well, interview is probably a loose way of putting it. This guy was (laughs) – you read the article,
1: right? I did very much so. I struggled through it. Yeah, it was kind of tough. It's basically by – Me um, reading this article looked very much like you listening to that uh, song, yeah. It's the name of the article. It's from Seth Simmons. Uh, He has his website,
0: SethSimmons.Substack.com, and the the article's called A Conversation with UCB's Chief Financial Officer. And essentially, the too-long-didn't-read of this, because it's probably about a 15-minute read. It's a a long article. This guy was trying to get in touch with some leadership at Upright Citizens Brigade. For folks who don't know, it is an improv comedy school out in L.A., Founded by the four people that Justin mentioned, pretty prolific people. And um, essentially, you know, they laid off 160 members of their staff. There's basically really no one working there right now. And this guy was trying to get in touch with the chief financial officer to get basically some information. And what's interesting about this article is you might – you could probably argue that the way that this guy went about trying to get in touch with the CFO was a bit sketchy just to touch – in a sense of he tried to reach out to him via email, but the guy never responds. So he found his personal number on the white pages, which I believe he did. He called him. The guy's like, how'd you get my number? He's like, I found on the white pages. The CFO's like, that's bullshit. I don't have a list of there. And he's like, literally that's how I found it. He's like, don't contact me again. And then this guy texted him.
1: You said, don't call me again.
0: Oh, did he say don't call me? Okay. Gotcha. So then he texted him to say, Hey, I have some questions. They went back and forth. This guy basically says, "I'm going to sue you for libel and slander." And then the CFO calls this journalist, and then uh, this guy Seth put the transcript of it out there for everyone to read, which is why it ends up being like a 15 minute read. Is because you have to read the back and forth between it, which is interesting. So, um, really, what I found fascinating about it was, um, first of all, I don't feel like this guy understands what libel and slander is. Uh, the CFO. Very much not. Yeah. He's like you. You're putting my family at risk. He's like for what? He's like you put my name out there. He's like he posts his LinkedIn profile. He's right. like this is all information. Your name, your title. It's all available out there uh, in the world. So you can. This is all easily findable things. So I don't understand <laughs> why why you would be so upset about this. Other than this guy doesn't like this guy. He refuses to call him a journalist. The CFO continually calls him a blogger he refused to accept mm-hmm. that he's a a journalist and he just says basically whatever this guy says is negative towards ucb and because of that they lose money in ticket sales because this guy paints a bad picture of them which sounds yeah. eerily similar to donald trump
1: yeah well no I, that's the first thing i thought was when this guy was talking this this uh individual from and and we'll just because it's in the article here so it's uh the UCB's chief financial officer and acting executive director Daryl La Lafou- fou- Fountain La Fontaine La Uh Daryl. <clears throat> he the first thing I thought was I'm like this guy. This this reads as though I'm reading a transcript from Donald Trump. It, that's yeah. the first thought I had.
0: It was he really just upsetting seems to me. Unhinged. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted
1: you. No, no. He he just seems unhinged. He seems like he he's not. <clears throat> He's so hyper focused, like a like a dog with a bone. He's so hyper focused on proving a point. He's not actually listening to the conversation that's being had or the conversation that's being a- attempted to be had.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think what, what bothers me is um there's no attempt at a conversation. Um I applaud Seth for essentially being like, hey, you're saying what I'm you're you're saying I've written Poor things or this, but but the CFO wouldn't go into specifics. He's like, can you tell me specifically? He's like, oh, you'll hear about it from my lawyers. He's like, just so you know, I'm recording. He also goes, I want this off the record. And and Seth goes, no, I don't agree to that. Right? (laughs) He's like, no, this is on the record. He
1: said he wants it
0: off the record, but he also said,
1: but I'm recording
0: this. Exactly. (laughs) So... He's like, I'm recording Is just so you know, I am too. So here we go. Like, we're both, we're both doing it. And there was a moment where it swung into a point where I felt like there was a little bit of a conversation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're getting somewhere. But then Daryl, the CFO, immediately um, cuts back into just, like, attacking him and right. everything. And one of the things that I found interesting in this, there's two things. One, um, Seth talks about the obligation – Of folks like Amy Poehler Matt Besser And all the other The founding members About whether or not They should I think what this stems from Two A couple things One When the folks were laid off there They weren't paid out Their sick time And I think that was something That was upsetting to some So I don't know How Their quote unquote Paid time off Or vacation time works Because it could be A couple of things It could be like You have a bucket For vacation time And then you have a bucket For sick time Vacation time is something that you get paid out no matter what. It's going with you. Sick time isn't. It's allotted to you. It's there. And you don't necessarily get paid out when you quit or leave or whatever. Like, it's just not there. So if it's part, if it's bucketed differently like that, the organization is not obligated to pay out sick time. So because Daryl, the CFO, says we have abided by everything legally. We've done everything, you know, legal that we're supposed to. And I believe that, especially in California, they're super stringent about all that sort of stuff. I can't imagine somebody like, we're withholding some sort of payment because they would get their asses sued to oblivion. Oh, 100%. But then that leads into the question of, well, what is the right thing to do? They are really? legally right, but given the situation, could they have at least given them their sick time too? Because I can't imagine it would be much. I mean, really, I, I mean, when my hourly positions, I, I mean, I maybe had five, six days, five, six days, sick days, maybe tops. Yeah. Six, maybe. I don't know. It was less than a week. I can tell you that much.
1: I I think that uh, based off of what I read in the article, it was they were he was he was saying that we've we've paid out everything we're legally obligated to. And the the argument wasn't whether they were cheating uh, legally or doing anything illegal. The argument was. Sh- shouldn't you guys uh, UCB pre preaches, we're a family. Yeah. We've got each other's, but the, the, the foundation of improv is we've got your, I've got your back. And so UCB, you know, and again, this is, this is not a commentary from my perspective. This is what it says in the article is that UCB promotes this kind of, we've got your back. It's a family environment. They talk about how they're a tight knit community, but when push comes to shove, is there no way that they could have helped these people who have to now just be, unemployed, uh, with a little extra something to kind of get them through maybe another week, maybe another two weeks. And I think that's where the crux of it comes down to.
0: Yeah. And again, there's, there's just situations where this is such a unique situation, um, for everybody that I think the right thing to do would be like, Hey, here's your sick time too. just take it, just pay it out to them and let it go. Um, because I just think that's, a, how you build goodwill and stand behind, you know, the people that are working there and and they're going to need that, you know, like it's it's a yeah. stressful time for that. Um, so I think that would have been the right thing to do. I don't think they did anything wrong. I don't know all the details. But again, if it's a situation where it's bucketed between vacation time and sick time, they don't have <clears> to pay <throat> out the sick time. So, right you know, they didn't legally do anything wrong. But I think given the circumstances, it would have been nice to have, you know, something greater in that regard. And the other thing I, I don't know, I don't I'm kind of. I'd do, I'd love to get your take on too. As people were saying, well, Amy Poehler, co-owner, millionaire, wealthy, how come she doesn't do something
1: for this? And what's your what's your reaction to that? Well, you could argue too that it's not just Poehler; it's the the founding four. It's it's Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, uh, who are the other? It's Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, um, Ian Roberts, and Matt Walsh. Yeah. Um, the four, the four of them, you know, Walsh, uh, Besser, and Polar. I don't know about Roberts, but I know at least the three of them uh, have definitely have. Well, I think Matt Walsh was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Veep. Yeah, he played. So I mean, he's he's got. So all of them. What the point I'm getting at is all of them are, uh, all of them are successful in their own, in their own right, and all of them mm-hmm. have you know some money in the bank. I definitely think that it would it would be cool. I don't think that uh, any of them are obligated to step in and do this, because, again, while they may be owners, I think that the, the one thing that Daryl made a, a distinction between was there there's a difference between owners and operators. Yeah. And the owners at the very top, you know, they founded it. They've passed this off. Sure, they get a cut of whatever comes in. But they basically, they they don't do any day-to-day operations. The Mm -hmm. people who operate it are the ones who are in charge of employees and payroll and health Mm -hmm. and insurance and all that stuff. So to me, it really should come down to the people who who run the thing. Now, those people could maybe lobby and say, hey, guys – we're really hurting. Is there any way that you could help us do this thing? Mm-hmm. And I think it would be very generous if the four of them would band together and put some money into this. Mm-hmm. I do know that one of the uh, – I can't remember. Oh, I found another article here that talks about uh, Matt Besser. He tweeted out that there's two GoFundMes to support the part-time staff while they're down. And so he's tweeted out the links to them and then he caught shit because people are like uh, – Basically, why do you need to go fund me if you guys are all rich? Why are you having all, everyone else give money when you guys could step in and give the money? So it, it gets I, I think it's this morally gray area. It mm-hmm. would be very I think it would be very cool if they were to do that. But I don't think they're obligated to do it.
0: That's an interesting take. A couple folks on Twitch. Uh, Maka 68 says it comes down to legally right versus morally right. And Jared says goodwill. That's the thing coming out the other side. We're going to remember who was quick to screw people. And he also says, if you own it, though, that's your reputation getting destroyed. So I'm... A very fair points. I'm, you know, I, my initial reaction to this is that those founding four really have kind of going to the previous thing was they have no obligation to this school. I kind of side with Daryl a little bit on this in that they don't operate it. Like they, yes, right. they each own 25% of the company. So they're like the founding members and everything like that. And... I don't also understand the complexities of them just sort of like infusing cash into the business. Like, can they do that? I don't know. What, what I mean, tax-wise, like things like that, like are they able to do that if they're part? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I have no idea how any of this works in that regard. Sure. So um, I think it's, I think this is a situation where people looks at, they look at someone who is successful in what they do, and they're like, well, how come you can't just fix it? And I just don't think it's that simple. I don't right. think it's that simple as them banding together the and giving a million dollars to the UCB corporation to then pay out sick time. Like I don't know if they can just do that. Now, they could they contribute to a GoFundMe? Sure. You know, if they want to be like, "Hey, we're going to contribute to that" and things like that, I I suppose they could. They could do that. Um I guess to me too is it's like how much responsibility do they have? How active are they in this owner in, in this organization. It made sense when they're like, hey, we're kind of like silent partners here. Like,
1: yeah,
0: we own it and we put you guys in charge. And then we basically each take our 25 percent cut and we move on from there. I mean, I, I don't know how much they're involved with it. So my, I have a little bit of pushback on that where someone's like, well, Amy Poehler could just pay for it. I'm like, right. Uh, I just don't know if that that's how it works. You know, I right. my previous job. Um, our organization got, uh, some investors, uh, some venture capitalists, <clears throat> you know, some venture capitalists, you know, Goldman Sachs invested a hundred million dollars in the organization. And this vendor I was working with was like, Hey, I saw this press release that you guys got this money. How come you can't pay me on time? Just give me some of that money. I'm like, I don't think you understand how this works. Like what? that money just doesn't come down the pipeline to you. Like. Right. These guys are just, investing. It's not in, just
1: <laughs> sitting in a in a checking account ready for someone to cut
0: a check to you. It's like, oh, this one goes out to this lawn care guy. Here you go. It and comes from happening. the $100 million that Goldman Sachs just gave us. It's like, no, there's strings attached to that and all sorts right. of shit. So it right. was it, – it, it, there's just this – I think – and I could be totally wrong. If someone knows the ins and outs of that, please, by all means, educate me. I'm open to it. But my initial reaction is that I just don't think it's that simple. I don't think it works that way where someone can just be like, well, I mean – I own a quarter of this business, and, uh, you know, I have a couple million dollars. I'll just throw a couple million dollars into this, and we'll be good to go. I'm pretty sure there's some business implications to that, that you just can't just do that. (laughs) So I kind of resent that a little bit. Where I understand this is a lot of eat the rich right now, more so than ever. People see people, others that are wealthy and doing okay. You got your Vanessa Hudgens of the world sitting comfortably in their homes being like, you know, like this – this thing that's out there, I mean, if you get it, I mean, you could die, but so what? So people look at that like here are some wealthy, well-known people that don't know what the fuck they're doing and they have no idea what they're talking about a buyout and um you know, it's 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 easy for people to be like, "Well, fuck these guys," especially when you see that they have easier access to testing. Right. And things of that nature there's a lot of people that get resentful or they're like, "Here you are comfortable up here, and i don't have a
1: goddamn job, and i can't pay my rent right I think that's really what it comes back down to is is it's it's you know and at the end of the day, you look at it and go, "What the sick pay equals? Is that going to make a huge difference?" And yes, mm-hmm. it will absolutely make a difference. But I think it comes down to the 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 more the the crux of it is that look, we're out of a we're out of jobs. Period. Now, it's I, I think it's more about it's less about the the fact that sick pay did or did not get paid out and more about the fact that they just got unceremoniously 160 people got unceremoniously just let go yeah and it's just like now what do, and now these people are just left to fucking figure it out and that's yeah. that is a tough fucking position to be put in and again it's easy to look at those like polar and besser and, and all of them who who have you know tens of millions of dollars in the bank and go well? You guys can just sit there for a year if you wanted to and not do shit, and you guys would be fine. Like mm-hmm. it's it's definitely hard to not feel that resentment. You and I talked about this a couple episodes ago when we talked about <laughs> the wealthy of the wealthy, yeah, uh, and what we would do. Like, shouldn't a couple of billionaires in the world just pool their resources together and just make it you know fix it all? You know, yeah. And again, it's they they should they do something. I think morally, it would be awesome if they did. Yeah. Uh, you know. I it I don't think it's necessarily as simple as people boil it down to be, but I absolutely think that if we're just going to start treating each other better, better, I do think that's something that, you know, I, th- I think it's awesome that they've set up the GoFundmes. I think it'd be even cooler if they all kicked in a bunch of money for it too, and kind of mm-hmm. kick that off, you know. Well, I think it's both
0: uh, Jared and E two hundred seven have both said, you know, it's talking about the other end of this. Like E two hundred seven says, it's also bad business to let your employees falter. They, the investors, and the public. Uh, will remember if you were willing to help out. <laughs> Jared right, says exactly. Jared says, if your knee-jerk reaction to trouble is to fire all your staff, you're a shit business. <laughs> 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 there should have been more time to think about solutions. And kind of the thing about that is also um, when this passes, how likely do you think people are going to go s- to sign up for classes at UCB? Right. How likely are people going to go to sign up to be a part of the wait staff? or anything else based on what happened. Again, are they legally okay? Sure, but let's talk about PR and social capital. And especially this quote-unquote interview doesn't help. I mean, if anything, Daryl seems unhinged. And you know what? I have no doubt that that guy's going through some stress, right? Imagine being the CFO of a company that's essentially could be done. I mean, depending on how long this goes on, I mean, how many theaters are going to shut down for good?
1: Oh, there are going to be a lot of casualties in, in that realm. Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: the arts and entertainment, 100%. Stuff's going yeah. to go under with, without a doubt. And, you know, there's one thing to be said for strategy here because I heard that Second City did the same thing where they laid off all their staff. But my understanding is that the communication was, we're going to do this to you guys so you can collect unemployment because otherwise you get nothing because you guys are essentially right. hourly employees. So it's like, we're going to go ahead, we're going to cut you guys loose, go collect unemployment. And It was kind of the understanding that... You can come back when the time, when it's ready, and we'll, we'll, it seemed more like a reluctant thing to do, but with good intentions, and it was communicated effectively. I think that's also part of the problem with UCB is it was it sounds like it was communicated terribly. Like people are like <laughs> you can't come right now, and then five days later it's like we're closed and you're fired, and they get it yeah. via. I don't know there was a post apparently on Instagram, and someone's like, I don't have Instagram, so I didn't know that this happened, and then I got an email five days after it was announced on Instagram that this happened. It's like ugh. You know it's kind of a tough way to to learn about that, and you know it's it's just a challenge in that regard of i, I can't imagine being a business a small business right now or really any business that's struggling with the situation you know yeah i
1: well, mean i think go ahead I, I think the big the big part of this for me too, and this comes down to it in in the the day job I work at, and this comes like the the there's a very very for me there's there's nothing more paramount than communication i think. The, 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 the quickest way to lose people from your side is to communicate like a fuckhead. And I think that I think that communication is so key all the time, but especially now, especially now, I think that is it's it's so important now. And I think that based off of everything that I'm that I'm reading and hearing and seeing uh, about this communication, I think more so than anything, that was the that was the biggest Misstep on UCB's part is that they they basically just fucked up this communication. Second City uh, allegedly went, hey guys, look, here's here's how this is going to go down and why, and here's what we're recommending you guys do in order to set yourselves up, uh, you know, uh, as, as soon as possible. And UCB was like, duh, you fired, sorry, don't come in, you know. Yeah. Like it There's just that's that's so not taking care of your employees. <laughs> Hi, gang. Sorry for the interruption,
0: but we have a real sponsor. This week's episode of Mind Gap Podcast is brought to you by another wonderful podcast, Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack. Are you looking for an immature and raunchy podcast that explores the scandalous and straight-up crazy dating and relationship stories? We'll look no further than Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack. Each week, Alicia and Jack read the bonkers relationship stories submitted by listeners like you. Want to get some perspective on when to ask your date about getting kinky? How would you handle it if a lady asked you if she could put spaghetti in your dick hole? What would you do if you noticed bed bug bites on your date after having sex with them? Have you ever answered a voyeur ad for an orgy at a park only to find out it was a bunch of seniors having that orgy? This is the type of humanitarian work that Alicia and Jack are exploring in their amazingly hilarious podcast. Do yourself a favor and give it a listen because, let's be honest, hearing about the crazy shit that happens in other people's lives makes you feel better about your own. Check out Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack on ConfessionsPod.com as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's Dating Confessions with Alicia and Jack. Go give it a listen, you fucks. Now back to the podcast.
1: No, Second City has caught flack for this in the past, and it, specifically, this was called out in one of the comments on that article that Seth wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was the, the UCB business model mm-hmm. of people pay twenty five hundred dollars for an improv class, mm-hmm. and the teachers or or whomever get paid this like shit hourly wage? It's like they, it, there there's a lot of there's a lot of issues a, a lot of people have with how the the money that is being brought in and the people who are bringing the money in how that money is distributed or not distributed to those people, if that makes sense. No,
0: that makes total sense because you and I both spent time um, in- (laughs) We both spent time and money. Time and money. I mean, uh, I lost track of how much money I spent, um, I mean, between Second City and- I mean, how much were classes? Were like 300, 400 bucks a pop? Side, something like that. Sure. I, I, don't, mean, I don't,
1: I honestly don't remember.
0: That's easily it
1: was more than $2 and less than 10,000.
0: There you go. That sounds like yeah. a Doug comment. Um, <laughs> it was, I think I, I will just say 400 bucks cause that sounds about right. Maybe we round down to three, but I mean sure. you did all six levels of the writing class. So right. three times six, $1,800. Right. You did all five levels of a through E at second city. That's another $1,500. There we go. We are at, Justin, $3,300. A a lot of money. (laughs) See, I did... More than two, less than 10000 I did A through E, and then I did writing one and two, and then I did conservatory, Mm -hmm. and then I did IO. There's seven classes.
1: You did acting, too.
0: Oh, that's right. I did acting. I did acting for three levels. So, I mean, I easily spent $6,000, if not more between those two schools uh, for that sort of stuff. And I think it's complicated because it's a theater structure in a way, because it's just really what this boils down to is this another aspect of this, which I really want to get your opinion on in Twitch. I really want you all to weigh on this too, is at what point should performers get
1: paid for what they do? That's an interesting because should college athletes get paid, right? Because I mean, this really goes back to I feel like that's in the same ilk of that uh, it's, conversation.
0: It's very interesting because a lot of what happens for those of you who aren't familiar with kind of how this works is if you are, um, quote, unquote, good enough to get on, say, what they call a house team, which is essentially it's it's a group that performs regularly at one of these venues. You essentially show up. People buy tickets for the show. They watch you perform and they move on. Now, you do not get paid to perform at these shows even though they're charging a ticket price. I think the logic behind it is that, especially if you're new, the teams are new, they're not necessarily a draw, and probably the theater's going to be footing the majority of the bill for the cost of that show. They probably, hopefully, someone has done some math at roughly how much it costs to run a show there. And if you show up and three people show up, and you're not driving people there, they're like, yeah, we're not going to pay you for not bringing people in. Now, if you're super good, like... Amazingly good. You get on things like the Second City main stage show. You get on the ETC stage. Or at I.O., you're like only like a handful of teams. Not even a handful. It's less than that. Like Improvised Shakespeare. They were so good that they actually threatened to leave at one point because they weren't getting paid very much, if at all. And they basically brokered a deal where they got half of the door sales, the ticket sales. Wow. While the theater took the other half and also the theater got all of uh, food and beverage, which is where they get most of their money from anyway. But that's a huge deal where they get half the ticket sales and they play in a relatively large room. But I mean, that's like the best you're going to get in Second City is, I think, um, uh, I think it's Actors Guild. So they kind of get set rates for that sort of stuff. But I mean, that's the top level you're going to get for that sort of stuff. Even some of the more seasoned teams that have the teachers that we took Mm -hmm. don't get paid. For the shows that they put on, like it's purely there just to to do whatever. Like even yeah. Chris and Matt, I don't.
1: Did Chris and Matt
0: make my, excuse
1: me they, make money for their shows. It's it's minimal because second, basically, they rent the theater out, mm-hmm. so they pay a flat rate to the theater, and then Second City takes half of whatever they make at door, and they keep all of beverage sales. <laughs> so so it's all the concessions. Much. So Chris and Matt essentially at the end of the day make half of whatever door is. So yeah. And so, so Chris yeah. has said like after – if they if they just take into account rental, uh, like renting the theater and stuff, they basically break even. But then after it comes to paying Drew and I for doing videos mm. for them and printing posters and any yeah. advert ads they buy on social media and everything and promoting it, they're – I mean every every show they've been in the hole.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, So – because that's something else that came up in Seth's article, too, was that, you know, you guys essentially have, you know, indentured servants that are there performing for nothing. And how do you yeah. reconcile that? And I've seen that happen also with IO in Chicago, too, where they're like, why doesn't Sharna pay people for this sort of stuff? And <clears throat> I don't know. I kind of look at it in a way of especially if you're new, you got to cut your teeth like this. is yes. These are reps. This is this is this is you earning your place. But there's also a point in time where you have to be able to be like this team or this group of people or this person is is a such a good enough draw that they should be paid for what they do. And I don't know where that point is.
1: That's a tough that's a tough line to to figure out, like to determine what what, where is that point? That's that's such a hard because the first thing I thought was, well, don't charge. Like basically once you start once you're in a show where you charge tickets for the door. Then you get a cut of the tickets. Mm-hmm. Boom! But then I'm like, well, if they do that, then even keeping the lights on in that theater is costing the theater money. So mm-hmm. they would never, they would never do that. So if every show, if every show, you get char- like you sell tickets, is it a is it a theater size then that you would put a cap on? Mm-hmm. Would it be like after you after you move to a theater of a certain number of seats, that's when you start getting? Is it a time limit? Like if you've performed consistently for a year. After that year mark, you're quote unquote tenured and then you start getting paid. Interesting. I would think
0: you would be able to somehow work out a tiered system. Like, let's just for the sake of it, say there's three tiers. So, tier one is like you just got put on a house team, you're brand new. Sure. You know, haven't, for whatever reason, the time at the theater or whatever, you're brand new. At some point, an opening comes, you audition for the next tier, and then next tier is where you start getting paid. It's a little bit it's not much, sure, yeah, but it's something I'd yeah. say that first tier they play in the smallest theaters because obviously right. they're not going to have the biggest draw. The next tier up plays a little bit bigger theaters, you know, and they get a small cut of things and th- and stuff like that, and then obviously your your tier threes are your best. these are the draws these these bring your people main in. that's your main stage show, exactly they come in. Um, they bring in a lot more and maybe it's four tiers. Who knows? Maybe you just you're working your way up where you audition. You, you're proving your worth to it. And, a, and maybe there's some sort of like way to, to gauge it. It's like how often you show up to practice. You know, yeah. how often you show up to shows like how you know, what are you doing? What, what how, how, you know, maybe there's an actual objective way to kind of look at it. And um, that way you can sort of prove, cool, this person is progressing through the ranks and they are They have something to show for it. Because now I think it's just too subjective and it's too like right. – because, I mean, the goal of almost everyone that went through the programs was I want to – Conservatory was like I want to get on a house team or I want to get on the tour co. at Second City. And IO it was I want to get on a Herald team because once I get there, it's like now it's going to start to happen.
1: But – it doesn't lead anywhere. There's no guarantee for anything. I mean, no. It, there's it, there's not. I mean, the, the obviously the the ultimate ultimate quote unquote is you know you get on that house team, you get on that Herald team, and then you're you scouted and you you hit Saturday Night Live or you hit one of the yeah. you know the big staples or or you know you get a uh, an agent and you get a reoccurring role in some sitcom or something and yeah. that begin that begins it for you mm-hmm. uh, or, you know or you hit the independent film circuit something like that but. uh but yeah, like like there really is no – there's no like career – it's it's an interesting industry in that a career trajectory. If we're looking at it from like a, a standard sure. corporate business model, like you would talk to your manager and you would go, okay, what's my career trajectory while I'm here? Like where am I – where where do I – Where what's my next – I'm currently in this role, this title. What's my next step up and what's my step after that and where am I going as far as my career? When you're doing something like theater, there really is no like – There's no concept of a career trajectory. So doing something like a tiered system would be an interesting way of introducing that and actually giving someone the ability to not get rich, but at least get paid for doing something that they love and that they're good at.
0: Well, I think it would be a nice way of rewarding someone for being good at something like entertainment, you know? Yes, yeah. Because I feel like, does it have to follow your typical corporate structure? No. But, you know, at some point... You should be paid. I mean, if you're teaching it, you know, and things like that, like, I don't know. Again, I don't know all the financials, but a part of me, like, even when I remember being at Second City and stuff like that, I was like, I, I got the feeling that it was a bunch of arts people running a business. And yep. I got a little bit of exposure to that when I went to grad school at Columbia College in Chicago because it was it's an art school. And I had a business degree. Uh, from my my college before I went to grad school, and when I showed up and was Rag. taking, yeah, right. When I got my bachelor's degree <laughs> at Augustana College, the Harvard of the Midwest. I love how everyone wants to be the Harvard of name a name something. You know, we're the Harvard of the Midwest. Great school, love it. I it was the so, Harvard of the Quad Cities. Harvard of the Quad Cities of, of <laughs> Harvard of the two states. Um, but <laughs> that sounds. That sounds so Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> right? Um, <laughs> it, it, But going from that uh, undergrad to graduate school, and I was like, all right, grad school, this is it. I was in econ and stats classes with people who majored in piano. And the concept of stats or accounting or economics was so foreign to them. And it was so troubling for them. And for me, I was like, oh, This is easy. Like this, I should have, I should have tested out of econ 101. Like I took five econ classes in undergrad. Like this is no big deal. But then Sing, because a lot of those folks were going on to, you know, there's a nonprofit route you could go. There were people that were maybe going to be opening up art galleries or doing some sort of business, but they have that artistic mindset and they didn't necessarily understand the business element of it. And this is in no way, shape, or form like criticizing Second City, but I was curious in a lot of ways. I'm like, I wonder how this place is run, right. because it seems like a lot of people that make decisions are also like the directors of shows of Main Stage, which can't,
1: doesn't say you can't do both, right? No one, right. no one says you can't. Oh, no one says you can't do that, but it is it is interesting because typically the creative creative types are not necessarily known to be the most uh, planning. Of types, yeah, because I mean, their wheelhouse is
0: like a director. You know what I mean, right? I mean, we we you've seen it all the time. I mean, Jay Z is a musician through and through, but the guy's also a great businessman. Like,
1: I, I actually would at this point, I, I feel like I'd put him as a businessman over a musician. of course,
0: right? But he started yeah. out with that musician, right? He was really right. into it, that creativity, but then he developed into this amazing business. Person, right, and Mm -hmm. a lot of those you know people can do. It's very you can do it. I was listening to uh, your mom's house podcast, and they were talking about how uh, was it Chuck D and Public Enemy essentially kicked out Flavor Flav, like booted him out (laughs) of the band because they had a dispute over something. I think Chuck D wanted to have like Public Enemy perform at a Bernie Sanders like rally, and oh uh, no shit, Flavor Flav was like, nah, I don't want to do that, and I guess Chuck D was like, well, we're gonna do it, and I'm gonna do it under. Public Enemy Radio, which is technically just Chuck <laughs> D, not Flavor Flav, so he could have done it by himself. But Flavor mm-hmm. Flav still didn't like it, and eventually Chuck D was just like, nah, you're done." Because in some of those groups like Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi owns that band; that is his mm-hmm. band, and right. I think he play he pays his band a salary, you know, for what yeah. they do. But it's basically he is the president and CEO of of Bon Jovi, and that's how it works. And he makes all the decisions. He's the owner and operator, and he makes all those calls and all sorts of stuff like that. So it is, in a sense, it's not to say that they're mutually exclusive, but in my experience with the average creative person, the average performer – the business side of it is a is a cruel mistress to them, a mystery, yes. <clears> an enigma
1: that they will never fully ever understand. Right now, I will say this: that if Second City did have the foresight to give their uh, their people the warning to yeah. say, you know, we're we're going to lay you off because of this, like that was a pretty baller business move, and I got to give them massive kudos to that one too. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, was something like this because I mean,
0: let's face it: I mean, we don't know when this is going to end. I mean, I hear some people saying August, you know, I hear some people are are being very, I think, optimistic saying May. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Does a theater have enough money to survive being closed for three, four months? Probably not. Most theaters no. So I would, you know, in that sense, you want to hope for the best. But I'm thinking, again, going back to moral obligations at that point, man, just go out in a blaze of glory. You know what I mean? Take care of your people. Take <laughs> right, care of your people. Right. What, are you, what are you salvaging? You're going to go under anyway, right? That's, see, that's a great – exactly The ship's going too. down, man. Might as well right. light off some fireworks <laughs> while you're doing it. You know, like right. just, just, like just those let it go.
1: four cellists uh, yes. at the Titanic. Pull your thing out and just start, start playing a beautiful song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, E207 said, Doug, isn't there a performer's guild for improv like how there's a screen actor's guild? Some collective bargaining and production – protection. Like a union, but as independent contractors, I don't think there is. Improvisers
0: are like the uh, the dirty stepchildren of <clears throat> the uh, entertainment world.
1: Yeah, for theater, for actual like I could say actual theater. For <laughs> sorry, I, and that's I'm going to draw the ire of the, uh, the community on that one. But but what I mean is for for scripted theater, for Broadway, for things like like not improv that are actual plays. There's uh, Actors Equity uh, Association. Uh, the, there's the Chicago branch. That, uh, that, that's the, that's the screen actors guild, but for actors, equity is for theater. I honestly don't know if they cover improv theater. I I don't know what that reach looks like, but for independent improv people, absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Improv is definitely one of those things where people are like, if you want to make a career here, you're in the wrong place. Like you do it for the love of it, which I feel like is, I hear from a lot of people in general is the comedy theater scene in general is like people kind of have a chip on their shoulder because basically people get plucked from Chicago to go to New York or to go to LA and they do it. They do it here because they love it here. They love what they do. And you can really see that. Like some of my favorite moments are going to a show and watching people just go to town. Like some of my favorite improv shows were at IO where people were just going balls to the walls, having fun saying the most ridiculous shit. And I was like, these people are having fun at what they do. And it's a really magical thing. And I would love to see that sort of stuff parlayed into some income for people, especially the people that are so damn good at what they do. You shouldn't have to only be a TJ and Dave level to get paid for what you do. I mean, no all doubt. Right. If you guys don't know who TJ and Dave are, I mean, you, 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 you figure it out. All right. TJ Jagodowski <laughs> and Dave, Dave Pasquazi. Like they're probably hands down some of the best improvisers in the world. and they have their own two-person show that they do, and it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But at the same time, you shouldn't just be like, you're either Brad Pitt or you don't get paid. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be some middle ground in there, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I don't know how you... I I, Honestly, I think if I were to ever open a a, a theater, uh, an improv theater, I think the tiering system that you mentioned just without like at, at first without like really giving it a lot of thought that makes that model makes sense yeah. i think that would be like a really interesting because you you audition to go into conservatory you audition to go into tourco you audition to go into a house company you audition to go to main stage it makes sense that you would audition to then start getting paid and and the thing is when you go to tourco when you go to a house co, you do start getting paid on those levels yes. too but it would be interesting to have a a different tiering model where you don't have to get into a a tour co or something, where someone who's been doing a a show for, again, a year or two, you know, they've proved that they're loyal to the theater. They've proved that they're loyal to that form. They've proved that they can draw. So why not reward them with a little bit, a, a cut of something?
0: Well, to kind of take it to a little gross place in the corporate world, it's, you should be able to, I kind of liken it to, you've got someone who's in, I don't know. We'll call it a customer service role. All right. Okay. Let's say they work at a call center or something like that. And they, you have someone who's a phenomenal customer service agent on the phone. They're excellent. They are able to de-escalate customers. Um, They work on, you name it, whatever initiative you have, whether you have multiple customers, you have multiple like areas in which people can specialize. They've done them all. They are the master of the call center. That person should be rewarded heavily for what they do because the, the the trajectory there shouldn't be like, well, let's make them a manager. Well, what if they don't want to be a manager or what if they don't have the skill set to be a manager? They should still be rewarded and compensated accordingly for being, for being excellent at what they do. It shouldn't be, well, sorry, uh, the only other thing here for you to be as a manager, so you're capped. There will probably be a cap to some level on that, but that person should be like, whoa, I want to be like that person to know that you could be excellent at what you do and by being excellent, be rewarded and, and paid fairly for what you do. There was an idea, my last company that we tried to do, which was dual progression. There's a manager side and then an the individual contributor side and the individual contributor side. The pay was never going to be fully the same as a manager, but it was going to be relatively close Because the manager is just a different skill set. Requires more responsibility and stuff like that. But I would take that approach over here as well in that if you're an improviser and you've been doing it for a while at a theater and you're really good at it, you should be rewarded for that. If that's just the thing that you want to do, great. That doesn't mean that you're like, well, all this guy does, I mean, he's been in the improv circuit for 10 years at this one theater. He's never done anything with it. It's like, so is he good? Does he bring in a crowd? does he mm-hmm. Does he make people laugh? then he provides value to your theater? They should be rewarded accordingly for it and if they 're really good, just so what they're a veteran improviser
1: that's paid accordingly for what they do right I think it's so interesting how so many people it's it's so hard to uh, Quantify the value of uh, art of oh. what someone does like it's, <laughs> I it's beg just-
0: to differ, sir. There's a mathematical formula that you can use to easily determine the value of art. Tell me more about this formula. Have you, you uh, have you? I just recently watched uh, Dead Poets Society. Are you familiar with okay. that movie at all? Oh, of course, yeah. So there's a part in the movie where uh, the students are taking Robin Williams' class he's an he's an English literature poetry teacher and they're reading this book and they're reading the intro to the book and there's a guy that actually talks about a way to graph whether or not a poem is good. He's like we have to we have to uh you know talk about its relevance. We have to talk about this meter like in he you know in Robin Williams' characters up there he's actually drawing the graph and everything. He's like yeah, yeah. So what do you guys think about this? He goes, rip that out of your books. Rip that page out of your books. And they're like looking at him. He's like, go on, rip them out. And they rip it out. he goes, I will not stand here and listen to some guy somewhere tell me that the way to measure whether or not a poem is important is based on this scale. Right. It's ridiculous. It's preposterous. I refuse to believe it. And. Right. I think it's the same thing with this. It's like you can't be like, well, I mean, how many laughs per minute does this guy get? You know,
1: right? Well, it's, it's it, that's exa- that's exactly it too. But it's uh, even even more than that. Like you look at like what makes what makes <clears throat> what makes an independent movie. Uh, what makes people feel like they'll they should pay for a uh, an Avengers Endgame but they mm. feel like they should be able to freely stream an independent movie. The mm. same amount of effort went into both, the same amount of love and care and thought and time and emotion, the same amount of creativity went into both of those things. So why that's like what I'm saying is like how do you qualify or quantify rather what one thing is worth over another thing? And I think that's that's kind of what we're speaking to in regards to Like not everyone needs to be like, why did, why T like, again, don't get me wrong. TJ and Dave are the godfathers of improv and they deserve every fucking penny they've ever made. But why should another improv show not get paid when they're bringing in a full theater every night after night, but just because they're not. Marvel, you know Avengers Endgame You mm-hmm. know what I mean And I, I just I've always found it interesting Because I even Even as someone who creates this shit <laughs> I even fall into that Where I'm just like ah, I don't want to pay for this movie I don't have a screen movie. <laughs> let, me, let me see if I can pirate it And then I'm like Dude what are you doing Pony up the five bucks Help this fucker out Yeah Because one day you're going to need The same thing man Don't be that guy
0: Well I think part of the reason why I think When it comes to things like You know your Parasites of the World versus things like Avengers is that because Avengers pushes the envelope and they basically set the standard for storytelling. You know, they... uh, they, 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 Drew's not listening. You don't have to do (laughs) I was kind of hoping I'd make you do a spit take there as you were taking a drink. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, you son of a bitch. Um, No, in all seriousness, I mean, you're right. Like, I, I don't know how you measure this stuff. It's some level of demand, right? Like, people are putting their asses in the seats to see something. They want to see it, and because there's demand, that's when people are like, well, where's the money, right? If no one shows up to your movie, no one's like, well, how come I didn't get paid? It's like, because no one got paid, motherfucker. Like, no one's here. Right. But the second second someone shows, no one gives a shit about suing you over anything unless you're making money. Mm -hmm. No one's going to be like, I want to put this guy in the dirt because he used my song on this thing. It's like, that guy is out of work right now. He got laid off. They were like, oh, it's not worth my time. Right. That's it's like, there's some level of demand. Someone is driving people. That's why Improvised Shakespeare was able to be like, which also, by the way, if you guys are ever in Chicago, check out Improvised Shakespeare. Hands down, an amazing time. Uh, five people improvise a two-act Shakespeare play. It's amazing. But they were so phenomenal at what they did, and they continuously sold out all the time, that they're like, if you don't pay us better, we're going to leave. And they threaten that, and then they're like, okay, we'll come up right. with a new deal for you. But it shouldn't come to that. It no. should be pretty obvious, like, hey, we can, can, we, we can both benefit from this. We can both right. say, look, we need a place to play. We want to be here. We're going to pull people in so they can buy booze, so they can buy your food. Let's make this a mutual agreement here where this can work. But I don't, I don't know the method to it. I think part of it's also just... You live in that world for a while. I think you get comfortable in that world, and you put the blinders on, right? It's like this is how we run a theater. This is the way to do it. X, Y, and Z. And is there any other way? Just I know a guy from college who, in a lot of ways, revolutionized uh, the way that divorces work as far as lawyers lawyers go. Like instead of just doing like we're going to bill you by the hour, he's like we have a flat rate. We're going to charge you to do all of this work, and. For, it, it, his business, his, his entire business got bought out and he moved <laughs> down to like Costa Rica or some shit. Like okay. he nailed it. He was getting people like this is a whole new way to look at, at lawyering because people are like, well, I mean, you have to do it hourly, right? Because otherwise, how are you going to get paid? He's like, no, this is about – making sure that this gets done and it gives confidence in people that's going to get done right and it's going to work for people
1: flat rate. Here's what we're going to do. Bam. This is what it is. That is that is brilliant because I had a buddy at work who went through a drawn out two and a half year divorce mm-hmm. and for two and a half years we would ask him every day, how's it going, man? And he would he had the next, you know, tale of woe from this procedure that just next to bankrupted the guy. Mm-hmm. And I mean it cost both of them so much money yeah. and time and heartache. And it was one of those things where I was just like, I feel like these I, I there was a, there was an element where I'm like, I feel like these lawyers are dicking you guys around where they're just like the terms all of a sudden change. I'm like, did you and your ex change the terms? They're like, no, but the lawyers recommended and I'm like, that just feels fucking shady, man.
0: Yeah, man. You I mean you know, think like, about and, that. Why wouldn't they want to file a motion? Let's do oh, this. Let's course. do everything yeah. in our power to make sure that we get you right. It's, yeah. This
1: flat rate thing, I love that concept. It was, That's it typically was, what we'll do with, uh, that's, that's something that Drew and I have uh, on certain occasions will, on most occasions rather, we, we we have taken that methodology of like, hey, look, we're not going to dick you over. We know mm. that your money is valuable. Our time is valuable. So let's just make this. You know, let's agree to this one thing. Get this done so we can keep doing more business together. Yeah. it's. I think it's a way to foster trust with with someone.
0: Yeah, because anytime someone goes, well, oh, then there's also an hourly element. You're like, fuck. Well, how 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 do I know you're doing exactly what you need to do, like to Absolutely. get that done? Because there's been too many situations where people are like, man, let's tack on extra thirty minutes on there. You know, right. we'll make it an even seven hours. You know, it's like, right. but you didn't do it for seven. You did it for six and a half, and then people get right. a little. You know, it's I I think there's something to be said where also if someone's like this is the flat rate, I'm like, cool. This person's confident that they're going to do what they need to do in that amount of time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if you come out the other end feeling good about what happened, you're like, this is great. Flat rate. I'll come back. I'll recommend it. I think that's what happened with this. It's like I'm sure you get a lot of good reviews about divorce lawyers in the world. But this guy, I just kept seeing him getting published in different magazines and different things like about how he's revolutionizing. this world and I'm like what if someone took a similar approach to how you're in a theater and I don't even know how you do that but there's got to be ways to innovate and if anything kind of like what we talked about last time this is the time now to think about how you're going to innovate how are you going to do something different and better and what what can you do to capture this sort of stuff so Owen the lady killer hello welcome aboard thanks for being here And also, Maka68, I agree with you. Without individual contributors, there are no managers. So, couldn't agree more. It says mangers.
1: Oh, there wouldn't be any mangers. Got it. Yeah, no (laughs) mangers. Um, So, so, uh, no, I think to to your point about the innovations, one thing that I've been been seeing is I I can't remember if we talked about it last time or not. With The Tonight Show, did we talk about that? No, I don't think so. So, Jimmy Fallon, I know a lot of people are, are, a lot of late-night shows are doing it now, but... um, uh, well, tonight, uh, oh, and the Lady Killer, we were talking about uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and a little um, uh, issue hot water they got themselves into. So if you want the full recap, check out the episode when it drops on Thursday. Um, but uh, the Tonight Show is doing the at-home edition. And okay. uh, basically, Jimmy Fallon's wife is is holding, I think he's just using his iPhone, and they're recording. Uh, he does uh, interviews via uh, via Skype or via what's it, um, uh, zoom is the new, is the new, uh, Webex. So the, he does interviews. He did one with Lin-Manuel Miranda, one with Jennifer Garner, one with someone else. And, uh, all these people are, uh, associated with, um, charities that are helping people who are Lin-Manuel Miranda's was a charity that was helping out, out of, uh, work theater people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, other, um, other, celebrities have other charities that they've been kind of, uh, uh, associated with and he has them on, but then he just basically does a monologue jokes with his kids running around and like crawling on them. And it's, it's, it's very real and pared down. Mm. And it's actually really, it's, it's fun to watch because he has innovated a new way to do late night television. And so all the other people have followed suit with it. And actually, um, who was the, uh, Chris Hardwick, just did uh, talking dead on Sunday the same way where he basically via zoom he had his guest and they broke huh. down the episode but what I find interesting is that people are finding a way in this in this new reality that we're living in to innovate things that because, you know, years ago, Johnny Carson could have never conceived about doing a, a talk show in his living room. Right. But n- now we're able to do it in this day in, in the Internet age. And so I do think that now would be the time to to start innovating because we've seen a lot of really interesting things coming out in the last couple of weeks.
0: Well, I think that's a good point in that I think there's an auth- authenticity that's here right now that yeah. I think people are really craving and is as cringeworthy as Gal Gadot's thing was. With seeing Imagine amongst all those celebrities, I feel like there was an authenticity of like, hey, we're trying to do something good. We're trying yeah. to connect. And it also sort of is breaking down barriers, especially with things like um, Instagram and hell, what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, we exactly. can't physically be there, but it's like we can still have our podcast. We can still exactly. stream to Twitch. And we can still carry on with what we're doing. And technology's there where – I get excited because I don't typically like your typical uh, your normal broadcast television stuff. I think it's too it's too old school for me, and I feel like it's mm-hmm. an old archaic thing. And maybe this is the thing that puts the final nail on the coffin for that. And it's like, well, let's do something different because if we're here until August <laughs> doing I, this, people need yeah, we're gonna develop habits, and if that new habit is like I love these authentic things that Jimmy Fallon's doing. Then right. can you go back to your typical, you know, what channels that play on NBC? I don't even know. NBC, yeah. It's like, I'm going to go back to the typical NBC format where there's all these goddamn commercials and blah, right. blah. It's like it's not going to feel right. It's going to feel so much less authentic. And I think right yeah. now what people are craving is authenticity in this time that's kind of chaotic.
1: It's interesting, man. It's, it, it, it's very it's going to be interesting. It's it's a byproduct that I didn't necessarily think we were going to see. I, I couldn't have predicted that we were going to see something like this come up. And I'm very interested to see where else this what else we see come up in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, just to like people going, OK, well, we have oh, like we talked about uh, Stage 32 and a couple other places where. Streaming uh, film festival uh, yeah. entries that weren't able to do that and other, things like that where you're like I never even thought that was something we needed to tackle sure. and now we can tackle it so I'm very very excited to see what kind of what comes out of that and to 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 your point to clarify we weren't shitting on the the uh, Imagine all the celebrities singing that we were we were having fun and goofing around it's actually a really cool. I, I, I'm a fan of when people do that. It was definitely a little cringeworthy, yeah. but I like the overall sentiment behind it, for sure.
0: You know, there's one industry that uh, doesn't have to innovate, and that's the porn industry. They can just keep following their
1: North Star of boners, and they're good to go. But, Doug, how do you, how do you make more films while social distancing? What does that look like? Well, here's there's your innovation. Well, here's
0: what it is. It's a lot of masturbation stuff. It's a bunch of solo stuff, because... <laughs> You know, now's the time to open up and just be like, in more that? ways than one, just open up and just,
1: you Any, know. Anything that takes us out of this step realm that we were in, I mm-hmm. don't, anything that takes us <laughs> away from that. This is my stepdaughter's dildo. Ugh, no, 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 is you. that
0: the same thing? Is that how they're doing it?
1: Uh-huh. There's another industry that doesn't really need to <laughs> <laughs> that Doesn't need to innovate. You know what industry that is? Tell me. It's a thrown out. Could not get away from that quick enough.
0: I was like, "Man, you <laughs> sprinted like Usain Bolt, going for the gold medal." Man, you you got away from that one fast, and I was ready to sit and just get into it.
1: <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, so today, actually, uh, I think uh, very fitting, kind of uh, where where we ended up. Uh, not not the last place. Alright, Hold on, lay it on me, big back, guy. Let's back it up a little bit more. Uh, I think I think a fun one would be uh, T.J. Jagodowski versus uh, Dave Pasquazi. Oh
0: my. Okay. Uh, oh shit. Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Dave Pasquazi seems he's got this intensity about him that is yes. undeniable. Like a quiet intensity. And they're both about the same build. They're both kind of tall. They're both lanky. See, I feel like TJ is a little shorter. He's a little shorter, I think, than than Dave. Yeah. But Dave, I think, has... They're both phenomenal actors, but I think Dave has done enough stuff and explored enough, like... He's just done enough to prepare for roles that he's probably taken some sort of combat <gasps> training. He probably knows, like, Krav Maga or something
1: yeah. like that. Whereas TJ is so, you know... But here's the thing, TJ is, because he has not done as many acting roles, he is purely in the moment, and he can adapt. <laughs> he, his mind is constantly on adapt mode, while as Dave is half adapt, half pre-prepared.
0: Here's the thing, too. Uh, TJ does Jagdowski also has vertigo, so that's... Right, but only when he's reading lines. So uh, all Dave has to do is just throw a bunch of books at him. Just and holds up cue cards and that's it. <laughs> Stuns him like a deer in headlights. He passes out. It's no bueno, man. (laughs) No, my only weakness, cue cards. Uh,
1: For most people,
0: it's what they rely on. But for me, it's my kryptonite.
1: I I definitely think uh, Dave has more of a... Because, again, watching him in... He was in Veep as well. He played... uh, um, the, the, the vice president's uh, Ex-husband mm-hmm. And uh, he's he does have this this Slightly menacing feel to him But uh, at the same time I do think that TJ Just living in that zone Of constantly being ready To mm-hmm. adapt to any situation And that is his neutral position mm-hmm. I, I, I just feel like that gives him I feel like that gives him an edge Because he can go
0: wherever he needs to go but I th- Again, who's a better improviser Dave or TJ?
1: a better improviser, that's a tough one because I don't want to piss anyone off.
0: Well, I'll say, I, think they're, I think they're on equal ground. You know what I mean?
1: They're, I would say definitely on equal ground. But again, Dave, Dave, ha, Dave is – sometimes he's got to be in uh, reading someone else's words and sometimes he's got to be in the mode of, of his own. And, and I think TJ just lives in that realm of I'm ready for anything 24-7. <laughs> he never has to switch over to the other side of it.
0: So you look at that as a weakness. I look at that as a strength. Dave is so good that he can do both, whereas TJ mm. can
1: only do one because of his vertigo. See, I look at, see, yeah, I, because, why do you keep throwing this vertigo in there? Because it's the, a fact. Leave the man's vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's
0: on the table. Remember, there's no such thing as yes and in, in, in the throwdown.
1: <laughs> oh, believe me, I know. Um <laughs> I would say this again. I I think it comes down to you and I look at this differently because you look at that as being good enough to transition to two mindsets. I look at that as he's spreading himself thin, whereas TJ gets to focus. Mm -hmm.
0: But I also I mean, you're I feel like you're arguing that Dave wouldn't be able to focus. and I think he could because obviously he he, he's able to focus with TJ all the time. He just has. It's just like I look at it like this. TJ has this sword that he can use all the time, and he's really good at it. But Dave also can use that same sword. And he can also use a shotgun. <laughs>
1: Doug, for, for, for Dave's other skill set to be applicable to this, that would mean that they would have to have choreographed the throwdown fight, and he would be acting it. That does not help him.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying... TJ can only use a sword, and Dave
1: can can he can he can parry and then also use a shotgun to kill him. You are you are sorely mistaken on all of these analogies. Okay, uh, it's not a
0: shotgun; it's a Colt forty-five. It's not, it's
1: not weapons. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's a throwdown combat, and it's how they it's how they approach it mentally.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dave can dual wield, and uh, dual
1: wield what?
0: He's got, his, he's got his acting ability, and he's got his improv ability.
1: His acting ability does nothing for him because, he, again, in order for that to be applicable, he would have had to have choreographed the fight, in which case, that's not a throwdown, no, baby.
0: He can access so much more mentally because he can go to those depths because he can act in that sort of way. He knows. He's
1: got to be able to pull those things up on a moment's notice. Yeah, man. but he hasn't
0: been able to experience as much as Dave
1: has. You can't see it. And Dave has obviously had him. some sort of combat training
0: to prepare for I, some role.
1: You don't know that either.
0: It's, it's, not, it's not impossible.
1: It's not impossible. I will absolutely grant you that.
0: This is not I don't know which action role he was in, uh, but. Uh, As
1: Doug furiously types up his.
0: <laughs> I think we are truly at an impasse here.
1: I really do man cuz I just I it it's a matter of uh yeah it's a matter of is this is is the two um what's the is is the two uh ah fuck I lost the words again cuz I think yep. their ability to improvise even with combat
0: is equal because I think they're both able to live in the moment because they do it so well together so I think because of that, I'm looking at that as, that's a wash, in, their ability to like use their surroundings and stuff like that. I'm thinking that because Dave has been exposed to some other stuff through acting, it gives him a slight edge. Because he may have, by doing this acting stuff, been exposed to other characters or other scene work that would have given him an ability to have a combat advantage.
1: But I think if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the I have about as much uh, info to back this up as you do about his stage combat. Uh, (laughs) But I feel like TJ is a part of more improv troops than Dave is. Yes. Uh, Yes, I think you're right. So. So I would say that TJ has been ex- exposed to a lot more situations, a lot more dramatic improv and comedy improv. It's He hasn't just performed with Dave the same way Dave has not just performed with TJ. So while Dave does, an, from an acting perspective, TJ – now let's all, forget also, TJ is in the Sonic commercials. Mm-hmm. So he does have – you know. So if there's burgers and conies
0: things. involved or slushies, yep. you know – He's got an advantage. I'll say this. Like he, I'll say this. He's also got a car that he can use as a weapon. I'll say this. They walk into an arena. Somehow Dave has masterfully understood what was going on. He clicks a button. Trap door opens. TJ falls to his death. He's that kind of maniacal and that kind of like <laughs> he would just know his surroundings to the point where he's like, I've got a tiger <laughs> hidden over <laughs> here somewhere he's that will not come a out. Rambo. What Rambo has tigers? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. He's a well-known tiger enthusiast. Dave is the kind of guy that is that like sinister to me in my mind that he would have that stuff planned ahead of time. And uh, as, I, as much as TJ could react, it was like what are you going to do against the tiger, you know? I I
1: I firmly disagree with that. <laughs> I firmly disagree. I don't I think you're giving Dave like superhuman level credit here. <laughs> I will I <laughs> the only just just to just to strike a truce, the only ground I'll give you is that I think Dave's got a height a height advantage on TJ. But outside of that, man, this may have I, been the the
0: most. This is a ruffle contentious one. One of the most contentious <laughs> ones we've done.
1: So we might need to 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 put this out to the uh, now again. I don't know who, if any of our listeners have seen TJ and Dave. If they're familiar with what we're talking about, if they have. We'd love to hear you guys weigh in on this as well, because this one, I I don't know, man.
0: Yeah, I I say Dave. Here's
1: here's the thing. I I feel like I acquiesce far more than you do, but I will say because just to give a a quote-unquote winner, and I'm giving, there's a giant asterisk next to his name, Mm -hmm. uh, because of the height, I'll say Dave (laughs) for the win. But I firmly believe TJ would win.
0: I'll take it. (laughs) I'd say it's, if you run a simulation. I
1: I won't shout it, though.
0: If you're in a simulation, it's 55 to 45 in Dave's favor.
1: Uh, it's more like 51 to 49.
0: Fair enough. I will acquiesce to that. <laughs> that was a spit take. I got him on that one. That almost
1: one. got a spit take, yes. <laughs>
0: Dave Pasquazi for the win. Ish.
1: <laughs>
0: Amazing. I'm also
1: partial to TJ so that's why Dude
0: it was hard for me to argue that Because I'm also partial to TJ (laughs) If I could get him on the show someday That would be like the best That'd be amazing Well he
1: won't now Doug Maybe he'll come on
0: to defend himself I don't know anything's possible Well that was a good one Uh, What do you got to uh, recommend this week?
1: Uh, I'm gonna recommend. It's a Netflix show, uh, executive produced by America Ferrera. It's called Gentified, G E N T E F I E D, and it's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, it is. Uh, it's a. It's a really cool um, little show. I, I like what I'm getting into right now is the fact um, that we're seeing a lot more stories. Actually, I started watching Hunters too, mm-hmm. and I like the fact that we're starting to see more cultures. I feel like represented, and and I'm getting to learn a little bit about. It's called. It's it shows being done by people of that culture. So I feel mm-hmm. like I'm getting a glimpse into that culture a little bit more. And cool. gentified is these three um, Mexican cousins who live in um, I, I want to say it's L.A. but it's it's somewhere in somewhere in California, and <clears throat> they're trying to figure out how to kind of um, have bringing in modern influences while not letting go of their heritage cool. and. Like their grandfather owns this taco shop that's beloved, but it's starting to get popular. And so hipsters are coming in and it's a gentrified type uh, thing they're dealing with. But the name of the show is Gentified. So it's I think it's really well written. The characters I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought they were very, very uh, relatable, but like just uh, you, you felt for them. I really I really enjoyed it. And I would also recommend Hunters, too. Cool. On Prime
0: uh i have two recommendations Uh, one uh burt kreischer's new stand-up special uh hey big boy very very good i love it oh yeah absolutely it doesn't surprise
1: me that it's good of course it's gonna
0: be good uh it's fantastic and then also onward uh the new pixar movie
1: oh did you see it
0: Uh, i bought it they they released it uh to purchase already which was great i was so thrilled and i was like I heard rumors they were going to do that. I'm like, I wanted to go see it in the theater with Natalie. We just didn't get a chance to. And as soon as I heard the news, I was like, I'm buying it. I don't even care. I'm going to buy it. It's phenomenal. It's awesome. Absolutely ex- it's right up my wheelhouse. It's amazing. It's about so
1: it. Because I, I was worried that it was going to be kind of a one-note movie. Yeah. And I, like, I didn't know how it was going to go. So I'm really happy to hear that it,
0: it, it's good. It's pretty emotional. It, uh, it talks. It's basically about uh, a, a, a guy, a, a kid who never knew his dad. And he has an opportunity, using magic, to bring it back for a day. So he okay. and his brother go on a quest to essentially make the most of this encounter with their dad. And it's full of magic and fun, and it's very entertaining, and it's also very emotional at the same time. So highly, highly. Tom Hiddleston and Chris Pratt, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus. Uh, a lot of great voice actors are in it. It's fantastic. Highly, highly, highly recommend uh, both. Love it. Bert Kreischer and Onward. Excellent stuff. So, whew, that was a lot, but uh, I want to say shout out to Twitch. You guys are awesome. Thanks for always making this show great. It was a lot of fun. And just a reminder: follow us on our social medias—Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram—at MindGet You can see for our announcements and when we're going live on Twitch, is you know, for all of our tabletop simulator game stuff, as well as uh, recording our episodes. Also, don't forget to check us out on our YouTube channel. Uh, just mind gap at YouTube, and uh, you'll find Justin Plays Video Games, Doug Watches Awkward Videos, plus all of our episodes uh, are listed there as well. And um, also for Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash Podcast. so check us out there. Justin, where can people find you?
1: Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It is the fun way of spelling it. And then while you're in the online realm, check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher. Spotify. And Google Podcast, wherever you can find and consume the old podcasts. You can subscribe to us, rate us, review us, uh, share us around. The big one is sharing, because sharing is caring. And uh, also 2East8th.com slash MindGap and 2East8th in general. Just check out the website and all the socials on that and uh, keep an eye out for, for stuff coming up. Uh, again, this year has kind of thrown everything into a tizzy, but uh, we've still got stuff in the pipe, so
0: nice justin just used tizzy and pipe in the same sentence so you know you're welcome it's a good day justin thank you (laughs) douglas thank you twitch thank you so much
1: listeners thank you
0: and you all have a dandy fucking week mind gap podcast